Hello, it is Sunday, October 4th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Today's topics, Dana White repeats his claim that athletic commissions would have to be the ones to increase fines for overweight fighters. This is usually true, but not always true. Jermaine Durandamy doesn't feel she gets the respect she deserves. That's true, but... Alas, USC Fight Island 4 did not change things at the top of the women's bantamweight division. Colby Covington calls for civility when it comes to Donald Trump. Come on now, Colby. Don't be a hypocrite. And what's the status of the Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier fight? And on with the show. So twice in the last couple weeks, UFC President Dana White has said that in order to increase the fines for fighters who miss weight, that would have to come through the Athletic Commission. And that is usually true. But in the case of a situation where there is no Athletic Commission, the UFC serves as its own Athletic Commission. It, over, it oversees its own fights. Which has its obviously presents its own set of problems because... When the promoter is the overseer, that could lead to some shenanigans. I don't think it has, but it could. But I don't, I'm not going to accuse anyone of that because I have no proof and I, ju- I just don't think it's true. The UFC might do some, some things that may seem shady, but I don't think it would do, I don't think it does anything that, that, uh, that an athletic commission would not do. Uh, for a fight, it would just set itself up for for far too many problems. Uh, but in this case, when he says this, I think he's letting the UFC off the hook because there are there are events where the UFC does oversee itself. And I think, and I might be wrong, but I'm ninety percent sure that Abu Dhabi is a situation where the UFC acts as its own commission. So the UFC could, if it wanted to, up up the fines for fighters who miss weight. And this is all stems from Israel Adesanya complaining about it after UFC 253 where one of his teammates had to fight a guy that was four pounds over. That guy beat the city kickboxing guy. And so Adesanya was upset, said he should, the fights, the fines should be 90%. And then White said that, that's when he said initially that the commission would have to do that. And then he said it again when he talked to Barstool Sports. The UFC could, and fight cards is overseas, increase the fines. It doesn't and hasn't, but it's a cop-out to say that the Athletic Commission does that when the UFC is serving as its own commission. So it could do that if it wanted to. Does it want to? Obviously not. I mean, if you don't want to do it, just say you don't want to do it. That you don't want to have different different values at different locations. But the UFC could absolutely do this. So, just wanted to point that out. In the aftermath of last night's fight card, Jermaine Durandamy said that she thought she deserved more respect. And that she doesn't get the respect that she deserves. I believe that's true. I, I think that that's true because I don't think she gets the respect that she deserves. But... 
I think a lot of that is be, is in because of how she handled the aftermath of winning the women's the UFC women's featherweight title. Um, she fought Holly Holm in February of 2017 for that title. I think it was February 2017, and she beat her. And then you know the next fight was going to be Duran Demi against Cyborg, and that fight never happened because Durandamy made it clear that she did not want to fight Cyborg. They called her a drug cheat, even though she had never tested positive. I don't think that re- that resulted in any kind of fines or um, suspension while she was with the UFC. But they still said that under no circumstances would Durandamy fight Cyborg. And then so in June of 2017, um, the UFC released a statement that said, UFC has informed Jermaine Durandamy and her management team that she is being removed as the women's featherweight champion due to her unwillingness to fight the number one ranked contender, Chris Cyborg, Justino. Subsequently, top contender Justino will face newly signed Invicta FC featherweight champion Megan Anderson for the UFC women's featherweight title in the co-main event of UFC 214. UFC maintains that any champion is expect, expected to accept fights against the top contenders in their respective weight classes in order to maintain the integrity of the sport. So she was stripped. And I think a lot of her feelings that she does not get the respect she deserve deserves stems from that incident, um, that she refused to fight Cyborg. I would say that a lot of people thought that it wasn't because of Cyborg's, and then you, could, you saw this in the comments, people thought that it wasn't because of Cyborg's drug test or drug past drug test issues, it was because she was afraid of Cyborg. Now... Duranami never said that she was afraid of her, but that, I think, was the general consensus if you would press people about why she wouldn't want to fight Justino. So for whatever that's worth, I do think a lot of the uh, responsibility of why she is not as respected as she could be stems from the fact that she refused, flat-out refused, to to fight Chris Chris Cyborg. Might be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the reason for her her issues with perceived disrespect. UFC Fight Island 4, the UFC had an opportunity to get some new blood up at the top of the UFC women's bantamweight division, and that did not happen. Going into the fight card, uh, Jermaine Duranime was ranked number one, Holly Holm was ranked number two, and um, Duranime fought number four ranked Juliana Pena, and home fought number six ranked Irene Aldana, and they both got convincing wins. Durandame and home. Uh, Durandame submitted Pena for her first submission win. Um, it was impressive. Showed some growth, um, good awareness, and that she is not just a kickboxer. Home was probably fought her best fight since she beat Ronda Rousey to get the title. It's just very aggressive, pushing forward, doubled her previous high and significant strikes landed, um, which she had set and against Duranami. I think it was 77, and I think she got 154 against um, Aldana. But Aldana didn't look prepared at all for this. She She didn't change her game plan throughout the five rounds and just fought poorly and lacked fight IQ did not reset when they just, her and her team found that 
home was going to be more aggressive than she usually is. And they just, they didn't, they didn't do anything differently for the whole five rounds. So the win was impressive for home, but it was also a good indicator that Aldina needs a lot of work before she's going to get back to the top of the division. Um, so the women's bantamweight division is going to be um, in the same kind of shape it was before the fight, which I don't think the UFC wanted because both Durandamy and Holm have already fought Nunez, Amanda Nunez, who holds the title, and have lost to her. So I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but a lot of people online after the fight um, on social media said that because I think because they both have losses to Nunez, that Durandamy and Holm should fight again to decide who's going to fight uh, Nunez. And I think that makes sense. But I'm not going to expect a different outcome from any of those fights. I think Nunez beats them both again. But we'll see what happens. But while that's going on, maybe maybe the uh, rest of the division can sort itself out a little more. But if the USC was looking for something new to happen, it did not happen on Saturday night. Colby Covington, who is not the most sensitive person in the world, I don't think, um, took to social media and called out the woke media and Hollywood, fake Hollywood, or, or however he termed it, for, I think, so wishing ill on President Trump. And I find that hypocritical because... Covington's always fast to call everybody snowflakes and and make fun of their sensitivity and all that jazz. But when the president gets COVID-19, which, let's face it, was not a surprise because he's not done anything to protect himself, then Covington's Mr., you know, don't make fun of people and, you know, don't wish ill on someone and he's the president and blah, blah, blah. So it's hypocritical, but it's not surprising from, from someone like Covington. And I just wanted to point that out, but because you kind of, um, kind of, it makes no sense to, 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 to be, to be like, to be hypocritical like that. And that's what, what Covington has, has shown, you know, he's, he's easy to dish it out, but when it comes back on him and I'm sure people have reached out to him to, to gloat and to make fun of him, and I think that was where it came from, but for someone who portrays themselves as some kind of tough guy and straight talker and doesn't take any grief and just dishes out, just dishes it out, it was kind of, like I said, it was hypocritical and kind of funny to see this from him, but I, I still think the funniest thing that I've seen from Covington over the past, you know, few months was when Usman would not bite on his um, bullshit and racial racist remarks, and and Covington just kind of lost it at one point there and screamed out that he was going to kill Usman, that he was dead, and that just made me made me snicker because it's obvious that for 
the hard ass that he portrays, it's not too hard to get into the head of Kobe Covington. And Usman did it without even really trying by just not getting mad at Covington. And the same kind of thing happened here, I think, with, with Trump. He saw people, I don't know if they were gloating, but not not getting all sensitive and not getting all upset that Trump got COVID-19. And I think the reason for that is, through Trump's actions, he's, sacrifice might be the wrong word, but it might also not be the wrong word. Uh, he sacrificed the lives of 200,000 Americans with his carelessness and recklessness. And he has said it is what it is to those deaths. And he showed no respect to the, to the people. I mean, I'm, he is not a hundred percent directly responsible for those deaths, but he has something to do with it because of his poor reaction to the, to the coronavirus and COVID-19. And so he should feel, he should have expressed some sympathy and some grief and some empathy, but he didn't. And so why would anyone expect him to get that back from the people that he showed no no empathy for while it wasn't him and his family? He shouldn't. That's how life works. You give what you get a lot of the time. And so if you're someone who just says it is what it is, when someone asks you about 200,000 dead Americans... Well, then when you get COVID-19, don't be surprised when someone else says it is what it is, especially when you practice no safety other than, you know, what telling people to use bleach to uh, to kill the, the virus. So it was just kind of amusing to me that, that Covington was so hypocritical about this. But he obviously won't see it that way because... I think he only sees his side of things, obviously, and he's someone who will never see the other side, and that's fine, but don't expect people to feel bad for you or or to listen to you if, if you're that kind of person. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because, I, like I said, I found it hypocritical and amusing at the same time. So the UFC offered... Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor fight at the end of last week. Poirier accepted it, and the news that I saw floating around was that they expected McGregor to get back to them, I think, by Friday night or Saturday. Obviously, as the time I'm recording this, Sunday afternoon, McGregor had not um, agreed to it, or the UFC is keeping it quiet, but I doubt that would happen. So now we're left to wonder what's happening here. Like I said last week, I thought that the plan to announce a charity event was a smart plan, and it did force the UFC's hand to offer the fight, but now we don't know what's going to happen. So is the, is the charity event still going to happen? Is that, or is McGregor still going to stick to that and to make a point? And if he does, is Poye still going to be in? I don't know. But, but I did believe then and I still believe now that it was a smart move because, like I said, it would have forced, it did force the UFC's hand to make the offer. Now, is McGregor going to keep plowing ahead with the plan for the charity event? He might. He might just to prove a point. But I don't think that would be wise and it definitely wouldn't be helpful for Poirier. Um, not Poirier's bank account, but 
maybe for a PR move and for his charity, it would be very helpful. But if the, if the goal was to get both of them paid for an event and the UFC did offer them both a, a raise over what the original offers were for both of those fighters, well, then the move worked. If they didn't offer him a raise, then I think McGregor should turn it down and keep plowing ahead with the uh, with the plan, plan charity event. But I would say that also if they didn't offer him the raise, that he should tell tell the media and the fans that too. Hey, this is why I turned this down. They offered me the same money, and I I don't want the same money. I want more money. Same with Poirier. He should say that because we know why he turned the Ferguson fight down was he wanted more money, and they wouldn't meet that. So there's still a lot on um to figure out here about Poirier and McGregor, and I'm sure we'll hear something from someone either White or McGregor, in the not-too-distant future of how this is shaking out. Will that be a true story? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be a story, but I don't know if it'll be a true story. And with that, I'm going to call it a quick night here um, for this for this podcast. Not a lot happening. The fight card was okay um, Saturday night, but not a lot shook out from that except for the... Uh, the women's bantamweight contest. So I've already covered that. I'll be back tomorrow. And until then, stay safe.